Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna let me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 25 of the Hooper's Log. Yes, it is episode 25 here on the show. This will be a podcasted show today on the CLNS app. If you don't get it, why don't you have it? You're listening to CLNS Radio, the Hooper's Log. My name is Simo Buckets, as you just heard. I got my guy Andrew Norris on the line. I'll get him on the show in just a moment. But first, we got a whole bunch of other things we got to get to first before we get there. Again, the quarter poll today, we got... We got a guy in Jake Chapman, Detroit Pistons post-game host guy coming on today a little bit later, about 15 minutes. We'll put him on the air. Uh, there's a lot today. We're going to get to a 90-minute slate of a show. We're not going to probably go through the entire 90 minutes, but just in case, we have the time to go. Um, again, the Hooper's Log Show. You're listening here, episode 25. Yes, 25 for the quarter poll. We're at the quarter poll in the NBA where everyone is about play 20, 21 games. That's about the time when you start seeing the real teams and seeing what we're got. We're going to recap what's gone on this first uh, month and a half of the season, what's gone on this first quarter portion of the season. We will get to it all today. Uh, one thing, though, I wanted to mention, and I mentioned it last night on the show, if you heard the late night edition. One million dollars. Well, well, it's a little more than that. Um, Dr. Evil, it's a little more than that. LeBron James signing a lifetime deal with Nike. Yeah, think about that. He's already got over $100 million in the bank with Nike. Now he's going to get maybe a billion dollars with them. Yeah, maybe not a million, maybe more like a billion. This guy is going to get paid. And not to mention Kevin Durant got absolutely paid with some cash too. Ten years, 30 million. Think about this. Kevin Durant is in the prime of his career, just beginning. I believe he's 26, 27 years old. He's going to be 36, 37 by the time this Nike deal is up. This guy is also set when it comes to the world of the NBA Andrew, what's up, man? How's it going? What's up, Chris? Uh, yeah, that, that's something I was talking about last night. And sorry to you guys who were listening. Uh, I don't know why it cut out, how it cut out. I don't think I I don't think I don't muted myself. I don't, it's just something happened. The last 15 minutes of the show were cut off. But it happens, and we're back on today, and today's going to be an awesome show. That's all good. We had the uh, we had the TNT uh, the TNT sound go, take us out on that last episode. We're all good on that front. I mean, hey, it happens. It was a late night show. You did enough. I mean, you you said a lot of recap stuff that was outstanding. There were a lot of performances over the weekend. There weren't very many last night. Let's get to a quick recap before we break down this quarter portion of the season. Andrew, you ready to get it going? Let Kevin Hart answer that. Yeah, all I got right, it. All right, all right. You're gonna learn today. 
Yes, we will. Real quickly, we're just going to go over these real quick, and then we're going to get to our quarter pull stuff. We don't need to get in deep in this. But Pearl Harbor was last night. Obviously, yesterday was Pearl Harbor Day, uh, the 7th of of uh, December, and uh, obviously the Pearl Harbor Classic in college basketball, Oklahoma and Villanova. Oklahoma destroyed Villanova 78-55 to uh, in an absolute slaughtering, but that was the only ranked game in college basketball last night. But you talk about another slaughtering. Blowout City! Yes, we have an official sponsorship for Blowout City. We should get one, and if we don't, we better after this one. San Antonio Spurs! I don't know how you get any lower than this as a franchise. This, this has to be This has to be the bottom. For the Philadelphia 76ers. Listen to the score. Listen to this. If you're listening to the podcast through Apple, CLNS Radio, just, just listen to this. 119. Okay, that's what the Spurs scored. The seven, the 76ers. 68. Yes. 51-point slobber knocker by the San Antonio Spurs. And there was one play with about a minute left in the game that defined the entire Philadelphia 76ers franchise. And that was when the big seven-plus footer for, for the San Antonio Spurs. I forgot his name is Bob, Bob Donovich or whatever. He made a double fake pass over the head of Jalil Okafor and made him turn around twice. And then he shot a fadeaway jumper in his face to end the ball game. And that, I don't know, to, 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 to win by 51. I don't know if there's any other way to define the depth and the bottom portion of a franchise than what the Philadelphia 76ers faced in that one. 119 to 68. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Quickly, let's go to the rest of these games real quick. There was only one whiteboard with the before. Actually, there was two, technically. Uh, Jared Solinger had 20 rebounds for the Celtics last night and a 111-93 victory over the Pelicans. We'll get to them in our quarter poll stuff, uh, obviously. And then the only real whiteboard with the performance from last night was Dwayne Wade, 26 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. He got a 51 on the whiteboard with the performance scale. Uh, you mentioned last night in the show, Andrew, I wanted to get to that real quick about whiteboard performances. I'm thinking we do a revamp sometime around Christmas on fixing that. I agree with you. I think I need to fix a little bit. Overall, it's pretty good, but I do agree with you. There are some things maybe uh, for big men that need to be a, need to be helped for them to get in the whiteboard performances because, again, you're getting guys with 15 rebounds a game. That's unbelievable stuff. Maybe for big men alone, if they get 15 rebounds, we'll give the, we'll put them in. We'll figure that out. We'll figure something out sometime later on when it comes to that uh, scale. Uh, but the rest of these games, real quick, Detroit, 84-104. Uh, they didn't quite get it done over Charlotte. We'll talk about Charlotte extensively in this show. They have been really one of the more surprised teams in the NBA so far. Washington getting the victory over Miami, as I mentioned. Dwayne Wade with the white board with the performance. But Washington gets the victory, 114-103. to Dallas with a victory over the Knicks. Again, Chris Stapps, Porzingis with 28 points. Dallas gets the victory, though, 104-97. Some high praise from Dirk Nowitzki, as he said, Chris Stapps is probably the next version of him, if not better. And he said he's even way further ahead than where Chris Stapps is. If that's the case, and if Chris Stapps can keep developing into the player we think, and if he's anywhere near Dirk, if not better, potentially looking at one of the greatest big men to ever play the game. I mean, ever. And that's what could potentially happen if Dirk gives him that kind of praise. The Lakers lose to the Raptors 102-93. to Phoenix getting the victory over the Bulls. Here's the game winner right in front of your face. Play of the game. 
Three-tenths of a second remaining for Chicago. I mean, first John Lewis had the shot of his life. Wow, wide open. But hadn't shot the three well. But look at the let of it. He jumped up over everyone and presence of mind to throw it in and knocked it down. That was the game winner from Phoenix. By the way, if you haven't heard and if you have NBA League Pass, if there's one game to turn on when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the my favorite broadcasting crew, and they've become my favorite throughout this year because I've just been listening to them, and I laugh every single time I listen. It's the Phoenix Suns broadcasting crew. They are hilarious. Those guys, when they're on the when they're even when they're getting blown out, they say some of the craziest stuff. They remind me a lot of the uh, TNT crew when they go to halftime or inside the NBA. They just start saying the most ridiculous stuff. Like they just start saying, you know. Oh, you know, uh, this guy decided to show up today, but our guy's getting paid, blah blah blah. But he can't do. It. And it's hilarious because they go into these out, they, they go into these like random, you know, tidbits about just random stuff, and they don't even talk about basketball anymore. It becomes so funny. If that's one crew to listen to, that's the Phoenix Sun broadcast. But you heard it last night as Phoenix gets the win, one hundred three to one hundred one over Chicago. Again, Phoenix just treading water, just playing the way we expect them to play. Win one, lose one. Win one, lose one. They're playing good basketball. Not quite where I think they expect to be yet, but they're getting there and they're getting better every night. Portland loses to Milwaukee last night. Another great game. Milwaukee getting the victory, ninety to eighty-eight, and then the Clippers beating the Minnesota Timberwolves. Play of the night. Let's go. Put ourselves back in the time machine, baby. Steal by Ricky. Good anticipation. Got to be Blake. He's got KG trailing the play. Kevin Garnett with a thunderous dunk. They're going to call a technical foul on Garnett for taunting Blake Griffin. Doc Rivers made sure that happened. But I don't care. That was old school <laughs> ticket, right? Carl Anthony Townsend. Yeah, as you heard there, Kevin Garnett playing the poster of the night, maybe even poster of the season, definitely poster of the flashback era. You talk about a guy in Kevin Garnett coming out and just balling, making a great play there over Blake Griffin. Old school Kevin Garnett. That's some cool stuff considering the guy's been in the league for over 20 years. Some good stuff there in Minnesota. They didn't quite get the victory, but they definitely hung in there. They lost 110-106 to over Minnesota. A good game there. The Clippers are starting to show some signs of coming back to life. Hopefully this becomes a realism portion for them and that they can finally come out and play better basketball. And as I mentioned earlier, Boston getting the victory over the Pelicans, 111-93. to Andrew, what did you see from last night? What did you see from last night in the world of basketball? Uh, yeah, the the Clippers, and of course, they were playing the Timberwolves who have outperformed expectations, but they're still not a, a very, very good NBA team yet. They're, they're a good team, above average team, but they aren't at a level where they should be completed, competing with the Clippers. Um, so, so off that, you know, and it was kind of disappointing. You think after getting dunked on by Kevin Garnett and or at least the corpse of Kevin Garnett, uh, you would you would kinda come out with some energy if you're Blake Griffin after that and kinda try to take over the game, make people forget about it. He kinda he kinda sunk afterwards. He didn't get better, definitely. Um but you know, they got the win. They came up clutch when they needed to. You're not gonna blow out every team that's worse than you in the NBA, which people seem to forget. Uh because, you know, these are the best players in the world. Even even the worst players are still Damn good players. Um, Jake Chapman's coming on in a few minutes here, so he definitely watched that Pistons game. Uh, obviously, he had to do the post game show. 
that was one of the more disappointing performances of the year. Uh, no energy, uh, stupid fouls, just just not a not a great game to watch. But normally when they have these type of performances, they grow off of them. Uh, but, man, the thing that stood out to me was Kevin Garnett. i got to be honest with you. That was one of the most exciting plays I've seen in a long time. Just just because, I mean, dude, it's, Kevin Garnett just went back like 10 years. Uh, and, and it was just – it was fun. It was awesome. Uh, but, you know, other it wasn't uh, the most amazing night of basketball. But, you know, you can't you can't have buzzer beaters every game, every night, that's for sure. I mean, outside of the Mirza Toledovic shot, yeah, it was really kind of a slow night to get in the world of basketball. Um, but you said you said KG's looking like he's 10 years younger. How about Dwayne Wade? He has actually looked a lot better. I mean, you talk about a Dwayne Wade that has fallen off the map over the last couple of seasons, maybe even three or four years with his injuries, and more of him just kind of resting and not being able to play. This looks like a rejuvenated Dwayne Wade, a guy who's actually coming in and really fulfilling his contract with the only whiteboard-worthy performance of the night last night, and a guy with 26 points, nine assists, and seven rebounds. That, that is vintage Dwayne Wade stuff right there, and obviously KG putting in a play last night, as we heard there, but, but Dwayne Wade is looking like the old Dwayne Wade, a guy who's willing to do whatever it takes to get to the hoop, whether it, it is you know getting, getting hit at the rim, damaging himself for, for, for the, the good or the betterment of the team. This guy is starting to really kind of resurrect his career when it comes to helping his team get better. I mean, Miami's number three in the East for a reason. Dwayne Wade has been the reason. He hasn't been the only reason, but he's been one of the key components to that success. And with that success, you start to see a guy in Dwayne Wade improve. And speaking of Dwayne Wade and, and the world of fantasy basketball, if you know basketball, prove it at FanDuel.com. Play against your friends anytime on FanDuel head-to-heads and private leagues have never been easier. Talk about the benefits of FanDuel. I'm talking about, you know, guys like Dwayne Wade who are probably cheap right now in the world of FanDuel, and he have performances like this. Old superstars come out of nowhere sometimes, and you saw it last night in a guy in KG. Dirk Nowitzki didn't have a too bad of a shabby game. You also had a guy in, in Dwayne Wade, like I just mentioned, and obviously every once in a while you'll get guys like Jared Sollinger who will anchor your rebounding stat against other people when he has a night like 20 rebounds like he had last night. Go to FanDuel.com and click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code CELTICS and sign up now. When you try FanDuel right now, you'll also get a special no-lose offer on your first league. Enter a FanDuel league now, and if you don't win any prize in your first contest, we'll refund your entry up to $10. Yeah, just deposit, play, and if you don't win, we'll refund you up to $10. Back into your FanDuel account for additional play. Go to FanDuel.com. Click the microphone and use promo code Celtics. That's FanDuel.com. Promo code Celtics. And if you'd like to call into the FanDuel Studios, 323-642-1558. Andrew mentioned it. We should get Jake Chapman on the show here shortly. He should be calling in any moment. And we'll get him in and we'll talk Detroit basketball. And we'll also talk quarter poll. Yes, we're going to talk about the quarter poll of the season starting now. And once Jake Chapman comes on, we'll get him on the air. ASAP. No rush there. Quarter poll of the season, 2015-2016, you're in the Hooper's Log here. FanDuel Studios, live reads, all that, every other thing. SimoBuckets.com is my website. Obviously, Andrew Norris and I are here on the show. And if you're listening here to the quarter poll episode, here we go. Players of the week, first of all, Steph Curry. He got it again. And Reggie Jackson, obviously, for the Detroit Pistons. We'll talk to Jake Chapman about that when he gets on the show. Eastern Conference. Now, here's my thing about the first quarter of the season when it comes to the Eastern Conference. 
I am blown away with the parity level of the Eastern Conference right now. Think about this, people. Outside of Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia, we can eliminate two teams from the playoffs right now in basketball. That is Philadelphia, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Everyone else? Still pretty much up in the air. You can make the debate that Brooklyn might not have a shot, but as of late, they've been playing better. They have. They've won four of, I believe, I believe they've won four of their last ten games. That's not bad. They're getting better. They're up there with some teams right now in their last ten, so they may slip themselves into that discussion. But from 13 to 1, and that's from top to bottom, this Eastern Conference, think about this, people. Milwaukee is five games out of first place in the Eastern Conference. I want you to take a guess if you're listening to this as an old podcast or currently or sometime in April when you're recapping what it looked like at the quarter pole of the NBA season. The, Milwaukee is 13 in the Eastern Conference. They're at 13. They're 9-13. and 13. Cleveland is 13-7. and seven. Milwaukee's only five games out of first place. And they're at the 13th spot. New York, 10-12. and 12. They have, they, honestly, they're, they're at number 12 in the Eastern Conference. But don't let that fool you. This team is playing much better than I think everyone expected them. And in their first quarter of the season, they have outdone all of us. I don't think anyone expected them to have 10 wins until after Christmas. After Christmas, halfway through the season. I don't think anyone saw this coming. And they have played out of their mind. And you can make the case that they have the rookie of the year in Chris Tapps Porzingis. And it's not just because of the fact that he plays in New York. Chris Tapps has played unbelievable basketball. The guy has played out of his mind when it comes to his ability to overall ride the ship for this team and help Mello with some sort of presence out that. And on top of it, the Knicks overall have played outstanding basketball. They have looked, they've actually looked legit when it comes to their ability to play at the hoop. It, it has been something fun to watch and finally see a high market team in the, uh, in the, in the New York Knicks finally step up and play well, 10 and 12, not a bad record at all. And in the Eastern conference, that's nothing to sneeze at Washington at nine and 10. They've been kind of a disappointment. If you want to talk about one team, that's been a disappointment in the Eastern conference. It's a team like the Washington wizards. You can make the case that yes, they don't quite have the big men. They aren't as healthy as we thought they would be coming into this portion of the season, but you would have thought at this point in time of the year coming in, they have maybe 11, 12 wins. And again, it's early, but maybe they would have one or two more wins than they have. And definitely there have been a couple of losses this year where you've scratched your head and you're like, what? How did that happen? Why? I don't get it. They have the best, one of the best backwards in the league. I don't get where this is coming from. So that's been kind of the disappointment too. Orlando at 11-9, and nine, they're right there behind Boston as most of these New York, New York, Milwaukee, Washington, Detroit, Orlando. Uh, you see those things happen and you see, uh, you're seeing teams like Orlando step up. And then you have the Detroit Pistons. Is this is this Jake Chapman that's on the air? Is this Jake? It is. What's up, guys? Hey, Jake Chapman, post game for Detroit. Jake. How about the hey? We are just about to talk about the Detroit Pistons and this first quarter of the season, Jake. Uh, thank you for coming on here with us on the Hoopers Log, uh, Blog Talk Radio, CLNS, FanDuel Studios. As you as you can tell, you have made it to the FanDuel Studios. You've made it to the couch. You're sitting there. You're talking to us. You know, technically, I am here. I'm on the couch. I am present. But we, can mess, <laughs> but we can mess with people's minds, you know, in the, in the world of radio, as you know, and we can say, you know, we're all sitting here on the couch together. But anyway, my point is. Yeah, I don't know why you guys are wearing half shirts. I'm not sure what the deal is with the, with the, with the scantily clad co-host, but whatever. You know, we're in the middle of we're in the middle of the summertime. Here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're in the Bahamas actually uh, doing this show right yeah. now. Nice. And, uh, um, we're not in Detroit at all. We're not in Detroit at all, where it's you know two degrees uh, below Fahrenheit. Uh, but anyway, hey, 43. Um, 
<laughs> it is. It's, it's warm there. Are you serious? It's yeah. Cold. Hey, it's not hey. bad. Yeah, it's been worse. Yeah. I, I, okay. It could be I'm, much worse for a week into December. I'll take whatever we got right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I bet. I bet you guys are more than more than happy with that weather. Anyway, I want to get to this Detroit Pistons team. As obviously Jake Chapman, that's who you cover on the post game show for there for Detroit. It's funny we do CLNS uh, post game shows here. This is the Boston based program, and we talk about the Celtics more than likely on other programs here. But for the Hoopers Log, we talk about it all and. I wanted to get your take on this team's first quarter of the season for Detroit. 12-10, and 10, obviously Reggie Jackson getting player of the week uh, last week, deservedly so. He had an unbelievable performance a couple about a week ago. What's your take on this team in the first quarter of the year as we talk about them? 12-10, and 10, hovering around a bottom spot in the Eastern Conference. What do you see from them so far? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting team, fun team to cover. Obviously, anytime Stan Van Gundy uh, is the guy you're dealing with day to day, it's fun because he's great for for beat writers. He'll never give you a, a, a BSE coachy answer. You know, he answers the question yeah. straight up. Um, for okay, so for the Pistons fan base, it's. It, it, it's kind of a struggle to get back on the bus because it has been, you know, seven years um, since they were a legitimate yeah. threat. But I think people are coming around to, A, Stan Van Gundy is the guy to turn it around. He's got a plan. He's got his guys in now. You can see the core that he's built. This is the way I, de- I describe it. People go nuts because they kind of flick the on and off switch. You've got a young team. They can play good teams really well. They beat the Cavaliers already. They've got wins against the Hawks, against uh, Chicago, Miami. But then you see games like the Lakers game out on the road, uh, right. and the game last night. I mean, the Hornets are a good team, but the Pistons just didn't show up yeah. last night. And so you have this sort of sense that they have an on-off switch, and I keep saying at least there's an on. You know, for seven years now, there has yeah. not been an on for them to even point to. So, yes, there's, you know, they're inconsistent. There's going to be high highs and low lows this year. But when you think about the core and the young core at that, KCP, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, Marcus Morris now, you see the plan anyways, and you see when it all starts to come together, maybe a few added pieces here or there, um, they're going to be pretty damn good pretty soon. Speaking of that plan, and Andrew, I, want, I know you want to talk to him as well. I, I know you're excited um, but I wanted to talk about this plan and this Detroit team. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to the plan and the main piece, I think, as we know, Andre Drummond. This guy has completely revamped his game to not just become a monster rebounder, which he's been his for these last two years for sure. He's been a guy who's just been a monster rebounder, kind of like a DeAndre Jordan type player who can play around the rim, play some defense, and then just rebound. But now – unlike DeAndre Jordan in L.A., he's turned into an overall presence for this team. He has a back-down game that we're starting to see that's turning into one of the best in the NBA. The guy is even getting better at rebounding, and his free throws somehow are getting better as well. He still isn't shooting well from the free throw line, but when they count, he makes them. It kind of reminds me, and I don't want to go crazy with saying this, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but it reminds me of Shaq. It reminds me of Wilt Chamberlain, kind of. I'm not trying to say he's going to be those guys, but I'm just saying when it comes to the comparison to his game, it's very similar to how he's clutch, how he's finding ways to get his teammates better, how he's finding ways to rebound and improve in parts where he's still good, but also improve parts that he's weak at. That's the true sign of a guy who's coming around. And then, obviously, uh, Reggie Jackson winning Player of the Week. What is your What is your idea of this core for, for Detroit and what does it look like going forward? Well, I think offensively, um, and you saw it in Orlando. I was in Orlando for, for Stan's last three years um, as radio producer working for the team. So I was able to, to, to watch the way he built 
that team in Orlando. And it's similar to what he's trying to do here with maybe a, a few tweaks. The bottom line is when they paid Reggie over the summer, it was because the plan offensively moving forward is to run screen and roll with Reggie and Andre and surround it with shooters, which is exactly what they did in Orlando. Now, it was a little different in Orlando because they like to run it with Hito uh, running the high pick and roll, Hito Turkoglu. And so now you got a 6'10 right. small forward, but a guy who can handle Turk, you know, for those couple of years, um, there weren't many guys who could do that. But they do run screen and roll, you know, from different angles and with different guys. But the base offense is Reggie and Andre pick and roll. And Andre is a great pick and roll player already he had been you know he, he's been for for two seasons now so you see with Reggie the team sort of goes as he goes um had a great week Eastern Conference player of the week they went 4-0 and last week so and then last night he played very poorly and they got smoked by the Hornets so the team sort of especially in the offensive end when Reggie plays well they play well and it's a lot of pressure to put on a guy who's being you know a starting point guard for the first full season this year um but his usage rate i mean it's it's right around Blake Griffin and Carmelo Anthony and guys like that like they're asking a lot out of him so on days you know games where he doesn't turn the ball over and where he's facilitating and getting up around seven eight assists free throws is always a key number to look at for Reggie because that'll let you know whether or not he's attacking the basket uh when those numbers look good for Reggie Jackson the Pistons look good now with Andre I think it's really interesting for me I always have this debate about where is he as far as rim protection? How, how close to DeAndre Jordan is he? Because um, some games he does. He's altering a lot of shots, taking up a lot of space, and, and, and protecting the rim, and they really need him to do that. But Stan, Stan will make sure he lets you know on nights where you know teams are scoring a lot of points in the paint or you know maybe somebody's beating him up a little bit down low, like Greg Monroe in the first Milwaukee game. Um, he wants more out of Andre Drummond. So I think that's the next evolution. I think when Reggie gets better offensively and when Andre gets better defensively, it's going to make a huge difference. You see it coming. Um, you know, they're already starting those, those building blocks, um, but that's, that's kind of the next step. They're building around both of those guys on either side of the floor. And then you have kind of these bedrocks, you know, with Andre, you have the bedrock. He's going to get you 15 rebounds a night, if not more. Um, with Contavious Caldwell Pope, you have the bedrock. He's going to defend the best, you know, uh, ball handling guard every night. I mean, KCP has done Westbrook. He's done Steph. He's done everybody. Um, you know, and, and as you guys know, night in and night out, if there ain't a point guard on the other team who is, uh, you know, a, a very dangerous player, then there's a two guard. So KCP has got his hands full every night. Stan is trying to build a defensive-minded team, you know, not yeah. based off of a superstar offensively, ball movement, pick and roll, and spread the floor with shooters. And the other thing with the offense is whenever they can force teams, you know, into, into um, bad shots and turnovers, they like to get that early offense going, and that's been a big key. Stan wants them to run more. They want to run more. It's just a matter of whether or not you're getting stops. And that's one thing I wanted to mention real quick, but Andrew, one more thing. Uh, Brandon Jennings, I want to know his status. What's his status like for this team right now? Because you just mentioned that they have Reggie Jackson, and on those nights where he has an ob night, maybe when Brandon Jennings comes back, he can be the guy that can help this team uh, boost forward. Because, again, he was the focal point of this offense uh, you know, a year ago. And then once they got Reggie Jackson, obviously they kind of formed him in, and that kind of fixed it. And obviously Brandon Jennings getting hurt didn't help. What's his status with this team when it comes to his health, and what's he going to do when he comes back, and, and how is he going to impact them overall as a team? Yeah, you know, the team started 5-23 and last year, and they cut Josh Smith, and everything changed. And you can't put it all on Josh, but I do think what no. happened was I think it sort of freed up the offense a little bit. I think it freed up Brandon Jennings just to say, you know what, 
you know, I, I'm playing with a bunch of kids now. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to ball. And in January, they went 12-3. and three. They were playing some of the best basketball uh, in the league. Yeah. And then he got hurt, and then, and then he tore the Achilles. So what you have now, and they went out and got Reggie, and I think probably long-term Reggie is more the fit for Stan Van Gundy. I, look, Brandon is yeah. he's a very interesting guy. I'm just not sure, you know, Stan's idea of how he wants to run his offense is having Brandon executed. He can be very, very inefficient at times. Um, but with that said, Stan is being pretty careful to temper expectations about when Brandon's coming back and how big a role he's going to play, mainly because he doesn't want people to think that Steve Blake and the rest of the second unit need Brandon. They don't want, they don't want Brandon coming right. in and, and, and being anointed the savior of the bench bunch because he needs those yeah. guys to play well now. And Steve Blake had a very rough start to the season. He had a concussion in training camp, and so he was out of shape, frankly, for the first couple weeks of the season, turned the ball over way too much. Last four or five games, he's played pretty well um, in limited minutes, of course. So you don't necessarily need that savior, but sure, Brandon Jennings will make a big difference. I expect him probably not back until the beginning of January. He told us last week it'll be three weeks. Right now he's got a Baker's cyst on the back of his knee that cost him a couple days of rehab. And like I said, I think because of his contract situation, this is his last year. Um, Lord knows if they have plans on, on re-signing him or even what his market will look like until he gets back on the floor and, and teams can see how healthy he is. Um, but I do think Stan has told us there's going to be nights where I'm going to play Brandon and Reggie in the same backcourt like Phoenix does. Um, that's not out of the realm of possibility. He's going to make a big difference when he comes back, but the timing is going to be really interesting. You're going to have the trade deadline about six weeks away when he does come back. Like I said, he's in his contract year, so there's going to be a whole lot of, you know, are they showcasing him? Um, how much are they using him just off the bench as kind of that sixth man? Um, they've had a lot of issues with the second unit offensively, and so no matter what, he's going to come back in and play a featured role, um, certainly off the bench, but maybe even uh, within the starting lineup. Because offense has been a struggle so far this year, no matter what. Andrew, right. go ahead. And that's, that's, uh, that's something that I think is really interesting, because when you, soon after you get Brandon Jennings back, you're also going to get, I, you know, I don't know the exact timetable, but Jody Meeks is going to come right. back, too. Those are, those are two guys who on maybe not most teams, but on a lot of teams, are going to start. Um, so that I mean that's a that's a huge boost to this bench who has been I mean they've been bad they've had they've had good games uh, but for the most part they've been pretty bad. Uh, the the thing I think most of us notice about the Pistons' offense is, um, you know obviously they're streaky. We all know that they the, their fourth quarter comebacks have shown that this year they've had two of the most incredible fourth quarter comebacks I've seen out of a Detroit team in a long time with how bad yeah. they've been. But um, a lot of a lot of what Reggie does is he kind of attempts and he he doesn't do the best job at it, but he attempts that Steve Nash where he just kind of probes and waits and waits and then he'll try to make a pass. But I think when Reggie's really good, uh, he's just putting his head down, acting like a bull in a china shop, and he is he's a damn good finisher. Um, now is that probing something they actually work on in this offense, or would they do they really want Reggie to kind of be that bull in the under control, yes, but kind of that bull in the china shop. Yeah, I think, and it's a great question because Stan has talked about this over the course of the season. I think 
ideally he's attacking, right? You always want him, if there's any sort of a crease, because he is quick. Um, that Houston game last week, he just manhandled Patrick Beverly, and I'm like, this dude's one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. Reggie's smoking him. Um, you want him putting his head down and getting to the basket, especially, um, you know, you're collapsing defenses and you're surrounded by shooters. So if he's making the right decision when he does get into traffic, which he typically does, he's not a guy who um, gets too flustered uh, when he gets into the teeth of the defense, then that's that's effective. Now, the probing part, I think no matter what, Stan just wants Reggie to be more decisive. Like there are a lot of times where I think I think probably the word probe, probe with passes, don't probe uh, you know, pounding the air out of the basketball. Because when he does that and he's just looking and it's just two dribbles to the right, two dribbles to the left, the shot clock's ticking and nobody's moving. And and some of the times it has to do with, you know, the Marcus Morrises and the KCPs to to be moving without the ball and creating something. Um, but, you know, a large portion of the offense is the pick and roll, like I said. And so if he's waiting for Andre um, to, to, to come up to the elbow or whatever, then it does kind of look like, you know, he's just biding his time and waiting for something to happen. Um, it's easy to nitpick Reggie because he does have the ball in his hands so much, but I do think you see a difference in the nights where he's not as aggressive and the nights where he puts his head down and gets to the basket because he can create from there. So, you know, is passing it around the perimeter and waiting for something to happen and ending up with a contested Marcus Morris jump shot at five seconds on the shot clock ideal or what Stan set up? No, but a lot of, you know, Reggie is the man who needs to be making all the decisions, the general of the offense on the floor. Um, and so a lot of times I think he might be waiting for something that's supposed to happen and it doesn't happen and it looks bad on him. You know what I mean? It, it looks like he's the one making the mistake, um, but it's just because right. they use him so much and because he has the ball in his hand so much. Okay, now what I love to do when people come on the show, and as much as I love you guys coming on the show, I love to put you all on the spot. All right. <laughs> so what I want to do right now, I just want to hit you with a couple on-the-spot questions. Uh, round draft time. Uh, we knew the Pistons pick what pick they had. We knew they were going to pretty much decide between two, maybe three guys. Were you a Justice Winslow fan or a Stanley Johnson fan? And then also, what have you seen out of Stanley Johnson this year that excites you? I'll throw you. I'll throw you a little wild card. I was a Devin Booker fan. I Ooh. wanted Devin Booker uh, wow. because he's so young, and I and I loved the jump shot. Um, I was like, look, no matter what, he's going to hit jumpers. Everything else is going to fill in. However. Compared to Justice, I figured Justice would be gone, but I did think Justice was a little overrated just because he played power forward at Duke. I was like, how's he going to you know, get those rebound numbers that he right. had at Duke um, in the league? He's been really good. Um, Stan- now, when they came in for workouts, we got to interview all of them, which is actually kind of rare. When I was in Orlando, we never they wouldn't even tell us who was coming in for workouts. Um, they gave us media availability. So I talked to all three of those guys. Devin is a Grand Rapids native. Very friendly, nice, good young kid. So I was like, yeah, I like that guy. Stanley is, you know, he's got that like, uh, like almost glow about him. Like he thinks he's going to be a superstar sooner than later, and he talks like it. And so we were definitely very attracted to Stanley just in terms of, you know, media coverage. Um, he's a fun guy to talk to. Justice wanted to be anywhere but talking to the Detroit media when he was here for his workout. So I, you know, just from kind of a selfish standpoint, I was like, man, I don't want to have to talk to this guy every day for the next eight years. Um, So between Justice and Stanley, I preferred Stanley just from a media standpoint. I think they're both really, really good young players. I think Justice is in a situation right now, um, especially with Waldang in and out of the lineup. He's getting good minutes on a good team, and, you know, it, it, it's a good spot for him. 
And Stanley, you know, the the question with Stanley is the jump shot. As soon as he starts hitting down the perimeter jumper with consistency and defenses have to to respect it and close out, it's going to open everything else up. One thing I saw in Orlando at Summer League that I didn't know Stanley could do is put the ball on the on the floor and get into the paint and create from there. Either dump offs or he's obviously a good finisher. He's so strong uh, for a 19-year-old. But the jumper's still a work in progress. And so right now, teams are daring him to shoot. And until he starts knocking them down with regularity, they're going to continue to do that. So I think both of them have very bright futures. I enjoy Stanley just as a person. He's a good young kid, uh, super confident. You know, I asked him a week or two ago, um, you know, is it has it been a tough adjustment? You've essentially dominated every level you've ever played. You get up here and you realize, you, you know, you can't dominate. And he goes, well, it's early. You know, he's like, I wouldn't count myself out <laughs> yeah. from dominating just yet. So that type of stuff, you lo- A, you love the sound bite as a radio guy, but you love to hear that stuff from a young, uh, from a young guy, especially one who's been a little bit humbled, I think. He's been, he's been up and down. There have been games where uh, he can't hit a jump shot, he's turning the ball over, and then Stan gets on, on him on the postgame about missing defensive assignment. So it's been rough for him so far, but uh, certainly he's a part of that young core moving forward, and I don't think there's a better spot for him because uh, Stan certainly values um, his, his physical gifts, and there are a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. You said like, that uh, the thing I you go thing you I go love is the uh, sorry thing I love is the confidence that he shows in his jump shot. Uh, a lot of guys when they're not knocking him down as great as or as you know as much as he is, uh, and they're leaving him open, they'll kind of shy away from it. He he knows he's got to get it down, but he's willing to take the shots, and, and you know until he gets on a high streak, which sure sometimes can hurt the team. But it's good to see a confidence boost like that. And uh, yeah, and it's you know, about development. Final... And he's a guy who look, he works on it quite a bit. Like I watch him. I mean, he gets there early, he stays late, and he's always shooting threes from the shoulder. I mean, he's trying to make that his shot. So sooner than later, it'll come. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, my final question before we get back to Chris, I have to ask this to everybody who comes on the show: What is your NBA Finals prediction, and who do you got? Before the season, it was Oklahoma and Cleveland. Mm. Right now, yeah. I mean, revisionist type stuff here. Uh, <laughs> right now, I'll say Cleveland and Golden State again, which is so boring. And it's really, really <laughs> difficult to pick against the Warriors. But, I mean, who's going to beat them in seven games? Like, they're so versatile right now. Short of an injury, I just don't see it happening. Now, I will say this. San Antonio... <laughs> is really, really good, and I think Oklahoma will be there, and I I don't think, like, the Eastern Conference is deeper this year. I mean, the numbers are pretty crazy. Um, the Eastern Conference yeah. is better head-to-head right now with the West and all that, but I do think, you know, if Golden State has to go through San Antonio, and, you know, God forbid they have to go through Oklahoma and then San Antonio to get to the finals, they're going to be beat up by the time they get there. So, I will say Cleveland and Golden State, and I'll say Cleveland. I picked Cleveland before the year. Um, I, I'm not confident at all, but um, I I just think, I think if not this year, then when for the Cavaliers? Somewhere in and my I, I think if anything goes wrong, it's going to be David Blatt's fault um, because that's kind of the way that's kind of the way we're all setting it up, and I think that's the way LeBron likes it. Um, but I mean, I think they have the pieces. I think once you get Kyrie and Iman back, and it's coming quickly, um, yeah. I think we're going to see a, okay. a pretty scary basketball team. Yeah, we're going to you know, look out for those guys. Those guys are going to be insane. You mentioned earlier about how you worked with the Orlando Magic. How long did you work for them? 
I was there uh, six seasons in all. One of those was an intern year. So I was the uh, radio producer and a host for five seasons. So you got to experience the Dwight Howard mayhem. I had a question about that. How was that like with Stan Van Gundy and Dwight Howard near those end of the years, right before he went to L.A.? What what can you say about that? That was interesting it sucked. to me. It totally yeah. sucked. You know, I was a team employee, so I, I was I was a slap. I was all in. You know, I, I went on the air, and I protected the team. And at one point, I went on the air, and it was one of those things, you guys know, um, I was producing my own show. I would do a daily show. It was just a half hour, magic drive time, at 5.30 every day. And it was either me or my boss, but when the team was on the road, my boss was the TV sideline reporter, it would just be me, and I'd be producing and hosting it myself. So we would have one commercial break, and I'd get my guest on the phone during the commercial, and then I would do the whole final segment with him on the phone. Well, I was talking to John Denton, and he was in the New York subway, and I lost him. Um, Five minutes into the segment, I had ten minutes to kill by myself. And so I just went on this rant about Stan Van Gundy and how if, you know, if Stan's not the coach of this organization or the coach of this basketball team, then I'm not sure I want to cover it. This man is is a winner and blah, 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 blah. Well, like, you know, four right. months later, Stan had gotten fired. And nobody, it's not like anybody yelled at me about it, but uh, it's probably a good cautionary tale. Like, uh, sometimes you got to mind your mind your P's and Q's and think about who, who you work for. Um, Stan right. is... Stan is great for media because he he tells you what he thinks, and he's a great basketball coach. But one of the things, you know, when I first got here, I told anybody who would listen, the biggest one of the biggest storylines is going to be Stan's relationship with Andre Drummond. Because players, I don't care if they're 21 or 31, do not like being dressed down in front of 20,000 people. Screamed at at midcourt to get your ass back on defense or I'll put you on the bench. And Stan does that. And good basketball coaches do that. Hell, Greg Popovich will let Tony Parker have it in, in the middle of a huddle on live TV. Um, but it's difficult when you got a guy like Dwight who is sensitive, uh, big men typically mm-hmm. are, and who basically was handed the keys to the organization in Orlando. As soon as Dwight decided he didn't want to play for Stan anymore, the handwriting was on the wall. So that day when they had that, uh, that you know horribly awkward press conference, I was in the middle of it, you guys. Like I was, I had an intern who was holding wow. the mic, so I wasn't actually, you know, in the scrum with Stan, but I was on the outside looking in, and we knew that all this stuff was coming. Like Stan had been told that Dwight wanted him fired, and we were hoping that he wasn't going to say it to the media that day. Um, it was a shoot around, and so I looked to my right, and Dwight is like sneaking out the back uh, hallway. So me, Brian Schmitz, who's a Magic beat writer and a PR woman, Trish Wingerson for the Magic, all went into the hallway. And Brian was trying to get, you know, Dwight to comment on it. And Dwight looks at me and he goes, are they talking about me in there? And I go, yeah, a little bit, not really. And he's like, he's like, Stan saying anything? And I was like, no, not yet. And he was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go in there. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, I'm th- I had no idea what was happening because Stan had not said right. that yet. Literally in the three minutes we were in the hallway, Stan said to the media, I know Dwight wants me fired. He, you know, I've been told by somebody in the front office. And so when, it, when he walked out, I didn't even realize what was happening. He walked out. He puts his arm around him. The media is like, wow, this is the most awkward thing ever. Um, and then literally I needed filled in like a minute and a half later, like, oh, yeah, while you were in the hallway, Jake, uh, Stan, Stan put him on blast and let it all out. 
So it was it was a PR nightmare. But also for me, it yeah. sucked because I knew that the whole thing was going to come to an end. Like, one player yeah. has that power. That's the NBA. And, I mean, Dwight, hell, six months later, Dwight knew the mistake he had made. He had yeah. an organization in his hand. He had a head coach who had gotten the best out of him. He was a three-time defending Defensive Player of the Year award winner. Um, and they had made a trip to the finals. And the whole thing went down because right. Stan decided he didn't want to play for a guy who, who wrote him as hard as Stan did. Uh, because Dwight decided he didn't want to play for a guy who wrote him like Stan did. And, again, Dwight has not had a coach of Stan's caliber since. Have you? Uh, were you around when that team went to the finals against the Lakers in '09? Was that? Was that? Were you there? No, that was actually that was the. I, I came the next year, so I was an intern in '06 '07. Uh, okay. We made the playoffs and lost to the Pistons, and then I left for two yeah. years. I was kind of you know trying to make my way in Florida radio. Um, so I came back the year, at, and I'm from Cleveland originally. So the year they beat the Cavaliers um, in the it wasn't even the conference finals. It was the, it was the um, the second round, I was at those, uh, you know, I was at a couple of the games in Orlando in Cavs gear, like my friends with the Magic <laughs> tickets, and then I went and represented the Cavaliers, um, and then, the, so yeah, the next year, the year they lost to the Celtics in the conference finals was my first year as producer. That's, that's real fast, that's, that's unbelievable, fascinating stuff to hear about Dwight yeah. Howard and, uh, and, and Stan Van Gundy, um, Stan Van Gundy, I what how, how I've compared him I've compared him to and and again not this is again it's it's kind of like the Andre Drummond comparison but don't take it out of context it's more of the personality that I'm talking about. Stan Van Gundy is a lot like Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich. He's going to tell you how it is. He's not going to care. He's not going to censor it. But he's a damn good coach and he knows people. You know and and when he's and when he implements his system as you saw in Orlando and again. Orlando had Dwight Howard in his prime, the Dwight Howard, the Superman Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is not the Dwight Howard of 09. He's not. He's no, he never will not. be. He won't be that guy ever again. And when it comes to his mentality on the game, he doesn't have it like he did back then. But that team really was, like you said, a lot like how this Pistons team is growing now. I mean, you, you think about it. Andre Drummond is, I'm not saying Andre Drummond is Dwight Howard of then or even now, or I'm not trying to compare the two because they're really different in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, they're similar when it comes to the system they're running now. Sure. Um, shooters everywhere, shooters everywhere, uh, guy that rebounds, pushes it back out. You run a post play, you get him the ball. Uh, again, you, you run, like you said, outside screen rolls. You get a guy on the outside. You know, obviously, Jameer Nelson was the guy back then for uh, the Orlando Magic. Um, but you have that kind of offense in play, and you kind of are seeing the same thing in Detroit. And if not, he's got more athletic, talented pieces now than he did in Orlando. And that, that's not the bash Hito Turkoglu, because Hito Turkoglu had an outstanding year that year. Obviously, Dwight Howard was, was Olympic, uh, the Olympic center. I mean, he was the USA center. He was the man at that time. Oh, yeah. Um, and, so, and so when you look at this Pistons team and you look at this Orlando Magic team from 09, it's fascinating to see how similar they are when you mention the whole standpoint of Sam Van Gundy and the comparison behind that. You know, speaking of the Orlando Magic, I wanted to get this take real quick, and then I'll push it back to Andrew if he wants to ask anything else. Uh, the Orlando Magic, um, the Orlando Magic this year at 11-9 and nine with Scott Skiles and whatnot, I wanted to get your take if you've been seeing them at all. What have you seen from Orlando this year, from past years? Do you know anything behind the scenes that you might want to give us about the Orlando Magic, if not, or I just want to yeah, kind of get I've your been, take on them. I haven't had a chance to watch them extensively, but I always keep an eye on them in the box score, and, and, yeah. and I still keep in touch with a couple of those guys. Here's the thing with them. I, I, I think 
bringing Skiles in is one of those moves that like immediately is going to make you legitimate, but then is it going yeah. to wear out? You know, is it is it going to wear down? Are you going to get mm-hmm. to that level and then you got to bring another guy in to get to quote unquote put you over the top? I will say this. I think it could work, especially if Scott has sort of mellowed a little bit, kind of like Stan has. If Scott can yeah. can get the best out of these guys without without wearing on them too much. Um, Rob Hennigan has done an outstanding job of building up that roster, though. Um, you're talking about a lot of young talent. I realize Tobias Harris, a lot of people question whether or not he was worth the money and also whether or not he was good for the development of the rest of the guys because he is kind of a ball stopper. But you got to keep in mind, Tobias Harris is 23 years old, okay? Right. They have a collection of young talent that mm-hmm. if they figure, you know what, we might be better even without Tobias He's going to have a whole lot of takers. And the money, I mean, hell, everybody got money this summer, and it's only going to get worse. So it doesn't matter that he's making 16. 16 ain't going to look bad if he's putting 20, 20, you know, 20, 22 points on the board or whatever um, every night. I love Victor Oladipo. I think he is a yeah. championship-caliber player. He's going to do a little bit of everything Absolutely. for you. Can't wait to see Hizonia actually play some meaningful minutes, but I think that might be a little bit off. Um, they're a fun, fun young team. I thought Jacques Vaughn was not a very good head coach, not a very good communicator. He was asked to do something very difficult, which is try to coach a pretty bad, depleted roster um, and kind of play damage control after – I'm telling you, Dwight, like, imploded the organization when he left. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't trade yeah. Dwight Howard and, and get better. It just doesn't happen. So, but I think, you know, you're seeing guys like I, – I was looking the other night, like Andrew Nicholson is playing really well right now, yeah. playing 20, yeah. 22 minutes a night. Um, Vooch is a good offensive and rebounding center. He's a bad defensive center. Um, but, you know, they've, they've made a lot of good moves. Evan Fournier, for instance, um, you know, he was a throw-in in the Dwight deal. Um, all yeah. these different, you know, they, they haven't missed at all, and they've put together a nice collection of young talent. Um, they're fun to, you know, they're fun to keep an eye on anyways when I have gotten a chance to watch them. So many athletes and, and a good young group, and now yeah. Scott's getting them to defend a little bit. Um, they're going to be interesting to watch in the Eastern Conference. i got a feeling there's going to be, you know, they're going to kind of revert back to the mean um, and probably finish a couple games yeah. under 500 and out of the playoffs this year. But certainly, you know, with Peyton and Oladipo and Tobias, it's a really good young core moving forward to watch. You know, when it comes to the young teams in the NBA, Orlando, Detroit, Utah, and Minnesota, the two teams that I like watching the most uh, when they when they play is Minnesota and Orlando because they are two teams that, like you said, athletes, guys that play both ends of the court very well. I mean, maybe not Nikola Vucevic per se, but when it comes to his offense, all of his offense, rebounding, offensive efficiency points. That guy yep. is unbelievable at the big man spot. And then you got Minnesota where you just – I'm telling you, this Minnesota team reminds me of Oklahoma City from five years ago. A bunch of young guys, ridiculously talented, guys that take a couple more steps. They're going to be an elite team. They're still young, but they have that – it's the same thing with Orlando. Detroit kind of has that going, but Detroit's further along in their maturation, in my opinion. Same with Utah. Utah is kind of the same type of thing. They're they're in they're in stride to get to that point. Both those teams are there, but that's kind of the future of the NBA are really those four teams when it comes to the youth and the and the growth and the ability. Uh, Jake, we wanted to, Andrew. Is there anything else you want to say before I let we let Jake go or anything else? No, no, I don't, I don't want to take up this whole day here. So so go ahead and take it. Yeah. Away. <laughs> 
All right, Jake, thank you so much for coming on with us. We would love to have you back and talking Detroit basketball in the future, man. How about that? What do you say? Yeah, guys, anytime, anytime. We could talk Detroit. We could talk whatever you want. I had fun. All right, awesome. Absolutely. We'll get you on next time. Absolutely. All right, man. All right, fellas. Be well. Absolutely. You too. All right, that is uh, Jake Chapman on the line with us for Detroit basketball. Talk about one of the more interesting interesting conversations we've had here on the Hoopers Log, probably ever talking about behind-the-scenes Orlando Magic stuff from back in the day with Dwight Howard. Boy, Andrew, uh, just real quick before we get back to this quarter poll recap and uh, talking conversation about that, you talk about some insight that I got that really kind of full-fledged, put me on perspective of the Dwight Howard implosion, not just in Orlando, but how about other organizations in the Lakers? I mean, you talk about a guy, he said it himself. The Orlando Magic are still recovering. The Orlando Magic are still recovering from this implosion from Dwight. It's unbelievable. And it's, it is unbelievable to hear that that franchise is still recovering. And then on top of it, look at the Lakers. Look at Houston now. He is a guy that has just turned into a roach in the NBA. Great talent, but he's looking like a roach. What do you what did you what did you think from that take from him and or the Orlando Magic stuff? Yeah, I mean it's it's a huge thing. If you think about the three teams involved in that in the trade alone, think about this. You had the Orlando Magic who are just finally getting back to being respectable, the Lakers who are nowhere near respectable, and the third team is one and twenty-one in the Philadelphia 76ers. So many teams for, or so many people forget. You know they got Andrew Bynum in that deal. This, you know, right. this team, they, you know, the Lakers are still paying for it. They have to. They have a top three protected pick this year. If it's outside the top three, they lose it because of that trade. I mean, this, this was one of the, you know, all three teams that got involved in this Dwight Howard trade. It blew up in their face. And I think it's going to go down, you know, in a few years when people really look back at it as one of the more infamous trades ever. Definitely one of the more, just looking back at it now, really, and how he described what happened in the Orlando Magic, uh, you know, back, you know, behind the scenes. It's it's incredible to hear and incredible stuff. Uh, good, good stuff from Jake Chapman there. We'll get him on the show eventually later. Obviously, Tony Jones, Matt Moore from CBS is going to join us as well eventually here over the next week or so, maybe even this week, probably Thursday. More than likely, we're going to get things figured out there with that. But we got a lot of guests coming here on the Hooper's Log in the future. Again, if you want to call into the FanDuel Studios, 323-642-1558. Let's go back to our quarter poll stuff real quick. Let's finish out the Eastern Conference. Boston at 12-9. and at twelve and nine. A lot of these teams are around the 12-win, 13-win mark, but Boston has really improved, and they have looked like a better team as of late as well. They're in the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. Atlanta, they're kind of hovering around expectations. They're at the seventh spot in the East, but 13-9 and nine is, I think, what everyone was really expecting. A 50-win average at, at this pace. They're looking like a team that could still do that. Toronto, 13-9 as well at the sixth spot. They're looking like they're following expectations. Charlotte, though really the team to look out for. They're the team that has really kind of blown everybody away when it comes to overachieving and seeing what this team can do. We said it ourselves in the preseason. Look, Charlotte is a team that is going to probably only win with about 35 games. They got 12 wins right now in the quarter pool, and come the halfway mark, who knows, they could have 25. They could be a team battling for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. That's a big-time challenge for them. And then obviously the top four, I don't think anyone's shocked outside of me, because I like to pat myself on the back sometimes. Indiana is at the two-spot, ho-hum. 
Uh, Cleveland at the one spot, Miami at the three, and Chicago at the four. That's kind of been expected. Obviously, Miami's more healthy now. And with the healthy Miami team, obviously, Justice Winslow, guys like Chris Bosh now healthy, uh, Dwayne Wade playing the way he's playing. This shouldn't be a shocker from many people to see this team where they're at. Andrew, what do you see from the Eastern Conference? Kind of got into it a little bit with them, but what do you see from the Eastern Conference in this first ha- first quarter of the season so far? I'm really excited to see the balance. Um, and as I'm wearing my Cavs hat, uh, my my fan is going to get into me here. Uh, I try to let it not get into me as much as I can. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I try, I try to be subjective. But one thing I've been sick of for – five straight years now, I just want to remind everybody, five straight years, is that whenever LeBron makes it to the finals, which this year will be six straight years, sorry Miami Heat fan, you guys don't stand a chance. Okay? The Pacers have a hundred times better chance than you. I watched my Pistons beat you almost by 40. So, I'm sorry, but you guys aren't beating the Cavs. LeBron won't lose to you. Uh, I'm I'm going to be really happy when not only does he get his title this year, when he beats the almighty Golden State, calling my shot now, but when he uh, when when this Eastern Conference performs like it does not, you know, it's kind of frustrating. The Pistons finally got a chance to get in, and now it's going like that. But but I still love competition. I still love you know where LeBron's. In, and of course, I was exaggerating. LeBron's going to go into the playoffs. If he does play Miami, that's going to be a good series. I don't think Miami has a good chance to beat them, but it would be a good series. Um, so you know, it's it's good to see more parity in the Eastern Conference. We're not going to go in saying this is exactly how it's going to go. I mean, last year you saw the one seed right. and the two seed in the Eastern Conference Finals for, I think, the third straight year. Um, so the difference between the top and the bottom, or more so the second place and the bottom, is maybe half of what it was in years past. You know, and, and not even that. The difference between second and eighth is half of what it was, and that's not in a bad way. Some ways I can be upset in the West this year. But it's in a bad way. The West has gotten a lot worse. The East has gotten a lot better. So now that we're seeing this parity, um, all the what conference you're in, people always made a huge deal out of it. But guess what? You still got to win ball games against both conferences. You still got to play 30 games against the West or 30 games against the East if you're in the opposite conference. And it's just awesome to see the parity. It really is. It's some good stuff there, like you said, from 2 to 13, from Indiana to Milwaukee. The difference is four and a half games, and that's from two to three. That's that's bottom to top. That's that is some intriguing stuff there, like you said, throughout the rest of the conference. We're going to see shifts throughout that conference throughout the entire year. In the Western Conference, obviously, Golden State twenty-two and zero, twenty-six wins in a row going back to last year. Obviously, the most impressive team, as you can make the case. They play tonight. They play Indiana tonight. You talk about a game that is worth tuning into, getting your popcorn ready. Getting your getting your you know getting your soda on your drink on. I'm telling you, this is a game to tune into and be a fan because this is going to be you're going to see a Paul George come out like no other. He said it in a, in, a, in a comment earlier today. He said, "Look, this team in the in, in the uh, in the in the he said himself on attempting to snap the Warriors' winning streak tonight is a must win for us. We're hungry. I want to see Paul George come out." and go for 50, get his teammates involved, and be that MVP caliber player that he is tonight. But that's one of the games we'll be watching tonight, and uh, definitely game of the night there. But let's get back to the quarter poll reference real quick. San Antonio Spurs, 18-4. and four. They're the quietest, best team in the NBA. They are. They're not the best team in the NBA, but they're right there behind Golden State. If Golden State wasn't 22-0, and 0, if they were just 21-1, and 1, 
San Antonio would be talked about way more, but they're they're so far under the radar because Golden State's undefeated that it's stupid. They're 18 and four. They can easily compete with anybody in the NBA, and then it really makes a big drop off after that. Oklahoma City 12 and eight, Dallas 13 and nine, one of the more the more overachieving teams I'd see, say in the NBA. But they've been playing great. The Clippers are starting to show up again, 12 and nine. They're starting to get better. They started off slow, but now they're starting to get a little bit better. Memphis, they're about where we expected. 12 and nine, they're getting a little better now. Utah. Pretty much where we thought they'd be in the middle of the pack, nine and nine. Uh, they're, they're they're getting better. They're improving. They're making the the steps we thought. Houston, they're at the eighth spot right now, but they're ten and eleven. They have been playing terrible, and I mean playing awful. Then Phoenix, Portland, Minnesota, Denver, they're all kind of around the same area, average around where we kind of expected for Phoenix. Portland's playing a little better than we thought. Minnesota's where exactly where we think they should be. Denver, they're a young team. They're looking like a team that's getting better with their youth. Sacramento at seven and fifteen, kind of where we expected. New Orleans at five and sixteen. I told you the injuries were going to get to this team, but now that Tyreek Evans is back, look out! They're going to make an improvement and they're going to jump further than we think. They might even get themselves into a playoff spot if Houston keeps struggling the way they have. And then the Los Angeles Lakers at three and eighteen. Andrew, real quickly, I know you got to go back to work and, and be busy, but uh, uh, what did you what do you think from this Western Conference quarter poll before you go? So far this year, it looks like there's two teams that even have a chance. And the, the scary part of Fury, Warriors fan, is that the Spurs are a nightmare matchup for you. Uh, the, the Warriors yeah. win games based when teams are not disciplined. They take advantage of it every single time. Uh, the negative is the Spurs are almost never undisciplined, if ever. Uh, they have the best coach, one of the best coaches in the history of basketball. Um, you know, one of the best, the best core in the history of basketball as far as longevity goes. Uh, but really, it's going to come down to two, uh, you know, maybe three, four teams if, if Oklahoma City can turn into a real contender and if the Clippers right. can turn into a real contender. We've seen flashes out of both, but they got to put it together consistently if they want to even be on the same wavelength as the two teams in front of them. Exactly. And, then Andrew, I know you got to go, but you got to jump on that college football bowl mania, man. It's that time of year. Get on it, man. 42 bowl games. Get on it. ESPN.com. Yep, Join I'm, it, man. I'm going to get it all right. Uh, I am going to get every single one right. Nobody can compare. Just want to let you guys know. Uh, and as you guys know how good I am at predicting, the Pacers will beat the Warriors tonight. Got it? Write it down. Put it yep. in marker. But, but other than that, guys, uh, keep listening to Chris call in. Talk to him a little bit. But, you know, I got to go. So, peace. All right, Andrew. Have a great day, man. See you later. We'll get you on the show tomorrow again. Tomorrow, episode 26 we will talk about the NBA and what happened in the world of basketball on on for Tuesday. Obviously, we'll get you a preview here in a moment of the night, but real quickly before I end this quarter poll edition of the episode for the Hoopers Log here on CLNS Radio, um, I wanted to give my Western Conference underperforming teams of the year so far, and the Clippers and the Houston Rockets have been so. Obviously, the Clippers have started to turn around and get better, but they still aren't where we thought they'd be. I thought they'd be around a top four seed. They're hovering barely to make a top four, a top five seed right now. Um, they're still there. They're in the postseason. Who knows? They could turn it on. And obviously, as you know, over these next this month, next month and a half, this next quarter of the season, up until we get to the halfway mark, they could find themselves back up near the top. They could. They easily could. They're only a game. They're only a half game back of Oklahoma City's at the three spot. For, so for all we know, over this next week, if they win two or three in a row, they could be the team that could be representing at the three spot right behind San Antonio and Golden State. And if they are, then obviously they're where we expect them to be. But the real underperforming team in the Western Conference is the Houston Warriors, or Houston Rockets, excuse me. 
eighth spot right now, and the Western Conference has been porous, but Houston at 10 and 11 is not okay. I mean, and, and they're lucky to have 10 wins. They have been playing awful. They've lost Kevin McHale now for the season, obviously at this quarter pole of the season. It is a really, really odd situation there in Houston. And as we mentioned today here, talking to Jake Chapman about this Dwight Howard situation, you're starting to kind of see what the effect of a guy like Dwight Howard has on a franchise. And it's not just a franchise, an organization when it comes to his capability. Now, I don't think he has the mainstay that he did in Orlando with this Houston team, but I'm telling you, it's starting to make a lot more sense now with the way he plays, with the way James Harden plays, with the way these guys approach the game of basketball. It's starting to make sense why this team will never succeed and maybe never win a title because of the fact that they just don't, they don't hone in the right, the right, how do I say it? The right personality, the right personnel to come in and win ballgames. James Harden is, is, is the best offensive shooting guard in the NBA, no, de- no debate right now. But everything else is up in the air, literally. Outside of his ability to drive to the rack and draw fouls and shoot a step-back jumper, I don't know much else that James Harden really can do. Defensively, he's a mirage. Dwight Howard is injured all the time, requesting rest. He, he plays on his own time. This Houston team is really the most underperforming team on the year. I don't expect much from them for the rest of the year, really, because they have shown me that they're not interested in being successful. When it comes to winning and, and, and when it comes to getting paid and getting the, getting the spotlight, they're all about that. But when it comes to actually winning and being a championship team, they don't have that identity. They just don't. They don't have it. They don't want it, and they clearly don't need it because of the fact that Kevin McHale's gone. He has that championship mentality, and that team bought into him late in the year last year that's now gone. This team is on its own level now. I just don't expect this team to really take very many steps that would get them to the promised land that we would think. And especially coming into this year, having praise for them with the amount of depth that they have on this team and not executing and playing the way we thought they would, it's, it's, it's kind of a stunner, and it's sad. And it's sad to see a team with this much talent underperform this much. My Eastern Conference underperformance players, uh, teams of, of the year, again, this whole entire conference has been playing outstanding, really. The entire conference has been playing outstanding. I would say one team that's been underperforming, though, is the Washington Wizards. They're at 9-10 and 10, uh, at the quarter pole, and again, they're, they're a team that I think they should have been a little bit higher than where they are. Now, a couple of wins here and there, a couple of losses here and there should have gone their way, and they should have been better than what they are. I think they should. They have the best, one of the best backcourts in the NBA. They should be a team that should have 12 wins right now, maybe 13. They should. I'm not saying they should be the number one seed in the East. I'm just saying they should be in the hunt for the playoffs. Now, you can make the case that the entire Eastern Conference is in the hunt for the playoffs, and definitely no one's out of it in the Eastern Conference outside of maybe Brooklyn and Philadelphia. But it's very parity-driven. But if there's one team that's been underperforming, it's been Washington. They have not played the way I thought they would play coming into this season. And Milwaukee also has been kind of an underperforming team at 9-13. and 13. They clearly have not shown that they're ready for the, big, for the big time yet. They're just not. They haven't shown it yet. Um, they're still a young team, obviously. But I think they're also kind of meeting expectations. They're underperforming, but they're meeting expectations at the same time because with how the East is playing right now, you can't really fault them for being 9-13. and 13. There are a lot of teams who have gotten better. New York, Detroit, Orlando, Boston, Charlotte. Um, Miami's finally gotten back to being healthy. Indiana's healthy and back to normal. I mean, you're seeing a lot of teams improve where Milwaukee is going to struggle now more than – because last year where they succeeded is where those teams struggled. And when they succeeded in that, in that area, in that field, that's where you saw 
a Milwaukee team generate and get better. I think last year was a little bit of a mirage in what we saw, and I think our expectations coming into this year was un, unfair for this team. And I think 9-13 and 13 is pretty much where they should be expected, and considering the parity in the Eastern Conference, they're actually playing very well. 9-13 and 13 is not a slap in the face considering they're 7-10 and 10 in the conference. They have one of the better records in the conference right now. I think we should hold on and wait for this Milwaukee team. I think they're going to get better as the year goes forward. And I think over time, they're only going to get better over the next couple of years. But right now, they, to me, they've underperformed. But I think also that's, that's based upon unrealistic expectations. Now, my Western Conference overachieving teams, Golden State, you're going to start off the season 22-0, and you're overachieving. That's, that's the best record any team has ever had ever to begin a season, doesn't matter who you are. They're 26-0. and They're getting near. If they win tonight, they will tie the Miami Heat from 2012-2013 on a win streak of 27 games. They will tie them if they win tonight, and it will be well-deserved if they beat a really, really good Indiana Pacers team. Um, as you heard, Paul George is healthy. He's, he's, he's hungry to get this victory tonight for the Indiana Pacers. Obviously, that will be game of the night, and if the Golden State Warriors win tonight, that will be 27 in a row, 23 in a row to start the season at 23-0. and That's just naturally an overachieving thing. Does anyone think that that's unexpected? No. I think everyone expected Golden State to start hot and play well because that's just – they're a really good team. They are. They're a great team. In fact, they're really just competing with history now. That's how great they are. And I think it's just overachieving from the standpoint of their record and obviously their coach, who is not there, and it's Luke Walton. But – Overall, they're still playing well, so I think the overachieving is a little overboard, but when you start the season 22-0, and you're overachieving. It doesn't matter who you are. That's, that's, that's craziness. That's historic. It's unbelievable. I just say that it's overachieving from the standpoint of, look, it's outstanding. But the most overachieving team in the, in the Western Conference, and I don't think this is even a debate, is the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, 13-9, and I think this team has the personnel to stay good. It's just the fact that their team is so much older and if anyone expects this team to stay like this throughout the year, I think you're a little loopy in the head. Dirk Nowitzki is not 25, 27 anymore. He's not that age anymore. The guy is in his late 30s. He's getting near the end. You got guys like Darren Williams who are always hurt. You got a lot of old guys. Uh, finally, you saw a guy in Wesley Matthews step up and play a great game over the weekend. He had 36, 38 points over the weekend. He played great. Um, but you're not going to see this team do that well with the amount of older guys they have late in the year. I mean, they have some pieces that can do some stuff, but when it comes to overall capability and staying this way at a, at a fourth spot in the Western Conference, I think they're a little in over their head. And I think starting the season, they're the most overachieving team in the Western Conference. In the, in the Eastern Conference, the most overachieving team, it's so easy. Charlotte, they're 11-7. They're and seven. They're, excuse me, 12-8. and eight. They're much better than I think I think a lot of people thought coming into the beginning of this season. I don't think this team realistically is going to stay this way. I think the Eastern Conference is going to catch up with them, and everyone's going to start, as Jake Chapman said, get back to the mean of what they really are. I think this has been the hot start portion of the season where Charlotte, uh, maybe even Indiana, who knows, Atlanta, Boston, Orlando, Detroit, Washington, who knows, and maybe some of these teams will come back to what they really are. And we'll get more of a feel for that as we head towards the halfway point of the season. We just got past the quarter pole, as you're hearing here on CLNS Radio. And if you want to call in, 323-642-1558. If you're listening live through CLNS Radio or Blog Talk Radio, feel free to call in and, and, and talk about this first quarter of the season. Feel free to do so. 
Um, but Charlotte truly has. In, in New York, you can make the case that the that the Knicks have overachieved as well. It it's it, there's really a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that are playing a lot better than I think we all expected. So it's uh it's. It's one of those things where looking at it right now on December 12th, excuse me, December 8th, you're looking at at an Eastern Conference and NBA that has really, really, really got a lot to figure out as time goes forward. My my awards, I give very little awards, but but if there's uh, awards I want to give out for the first quarter of the year and guys that I would pick right now to be so, this would be it. Rookie of the year, Kristaps Porzingis. You got to give it to the guy. Getting New York to 10 wins is shocking considering how bad they were last year and the year before. This team was a joke last year and the year before they were terrible. Um, This is is an organization that's finally starting to find their roots again. And seeing at them 10 and 12 and Porzingis really being the headliner for them with Carmelo Anthony finally playing well and healthy, you got to give it to him. You got to give it to Kristaps Porzingis. The guy has been playing off his rocker. MVP, Steph Curry. You have to give it to Steph Curry for the first quarter of the year. Undefeated. 22-0, 22-0, and 0, you have to give it to Steph Curry at this point in time. I, I mean, honestly, you could also say a guy like Paul George should be in the discussion, uh, obviously LeBron James, but uh, Steph Curry, with the way his team's been playing, he's the face of that team. He's not, he's not the entire team, but he's the face, and he's the, he's the point scorer that makes it work. And in a game against the Toronto Raptors last weekend where you saw him play the way he played, you've got to give him MVP for the first quarter of the season. You have to. Sixth man of the year so far, Corey Joseph. Reason being, this guy, every time I see this guy come off the bench, he has been unbelievable. He has been outstanding. He is the quintessential sixth man that you want, a guy that can come into the game, get your team the boost that they need to get better and improve throughout the rest of the game. You see that in Corey Joseph. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Spurs fan. I've just been watching games, and I see this guy every time he comes on the court he does something outstanding, efficient. He gets his team into correct sets. He finds ways to keep them competitive when they got the second stringers in there. He does an outstanding job off the bench. Corey Joseph would be my sixth man of the year as of right now. Coach of the year, pretty easy. Luke Walton, don't give it to Steve Kerr. Are you crazy? Give it to Luke Walton. The guy started this team off 22-0. and Does he get all the credit? I don't think so. Does I mean, I think the team is more of a factor, but for him to keep this team in check and in line as Steve Kerr's been out, you have to give it to Luke Walton. You have to. I think he deserves the coach of the year. Whether he's been the mainstay of this team or not, this is the guy who deserves coach of the year in the first quarter of the season. That is our first quarter show. Again, we have our show tomorrow, episode 26, December 9th, 2015. It will be a show where we talk about basically what happened tonight in the world of the NBA. And tonight in the NBA, we have one, two, three. Oh, excuse me. How many games have we got in the night of the NBA? Uh, obviously, Wednesday, got a couple of games here on a Tuesday afternoon. One, two, three, four, five, six games on a Tuesday here in the world of the NBA. There's one NCAA basketball game to watch for tonight. Obviously, I mentioned the game from last night on the Pearl Harbor Classic. Uh, Oklahoma destroying a team um, in, uh, I believe, Villanova. They they beat their butt last night real bad. What was it? Yeah, uh, they beat they beat Oklahoma beat Villanova, uh, Villanova 78-55. Obviously, the new rankings have coming out for the college basketball season. Those are out now. Uh, pick those up. That, that that'll be uh, that that's an interesting read. Obviously, Michigan State number one in college basketball. But for tonight in college basketball, West Virginia plays Virginia in the Jimmy V Classic on ESPN. Check that one out. That one's on at 4 p.m. Pacific. 
check that one out. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, that will be on ESPN. In the NBA, um, there's, a, there's quite a bit of solid games on tonight. Going into starting the quarter portion of the, se- the the second quarter portion of the season, the Trailblazers are going to be playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Cavaliers are favored by eight and a half. I would take that. I think the Cavs will dominate tonight if LeBron James is playing. Damian Lillard should have a good one, especially with uh, the bench backup players in Cleveland playing for them. Damian Lillard should have a good game, but I think LeBron will cover them and beat and have them beat the team. Game of the night: Warriors and Pacers. No debate, no doubt. You got a team in the Indiana Pacers who are hungry to. To, to, to knock off this Warriors team in Indiana. Golden State's only favored by six. This is the lowest line I've seen Golden State coming into a game like this. I think with that line, seeing it that low, six is still pretty healthy, but seeing it that low, if, if Indiana wins this game, it will be a night, that, night to remember, obviously. I think the Golden State Warriors, if they win this game, I think the conversation of the Bulls becomes legit the the 70 excuse me the 72 win bulls the 96 bulls it becomes a legitimate conversation if they beat this pacers team tonight whether it's a close game or not i don't care but if they win it becomes the conversation of look can this team win can this team legitimately win 75 games we're at the quarter pole and they're undefeated they can easily think about this people all they've got to do to break the bulls record is go 50 and 12 or 50 51 and 11 the rest of the way and they'll break the record that's not undoable the san antonio spurs back in i believe it was back in the strike year a couple years two three years ago um the strike year the spurs went 50 and i believe they went 50 and and uh and and 20 or something like that. they went 15 and 8 50 and 18 or something like that and it's doable the Warriors can do that. That's possible. This team can totally go 51-11 and 11 the rest of the way out. And it's, it's insane to see how well they've been playing. I mean, Steph Curry, again, 32 points per game, five rebounds, six assists. You're talking about performances and games that have been absolutely legendary. And if they win this game tonight, I, I don't know what else to say. I agree with Andrew. I think the Pacers will, will break that spread. I would pick the Pacers plus the six to be safe. Because I think the Pacers are really the only team that has the chance to beat this team soundly tonight. I think they can do it. Um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be one of those games that's going to be one to remember, especially if the Warriors lose. If they win, it's still going to be one to remember. This is game of the night, no doubt, no debate. Rockets and Nets play tonight. Rockets are favored by four. Take the Nets plus four. They're in they're in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's been playing good basketball as of late. Uh, I think the Houston Rockets are, again, a team that's just not playing well. I don't have much faith in them going forward throughout this portion of the season. Thunder and Grizzly, this is one of the better games of the night, too. I might actually tune into this one. Russell Westbrook in the grindhouse. Oklahoma City's favored by two and a half. Take them in the two and a half. They're going to win this one. They need to take that extra step to win a ball game. This will be one of those fun games to watch throughout the night. Magic and Nuggets, two really, really young teams. Uh, going to go out and perform in Denver in the high uh, Pepsi Center, uh, in the, you know, the high uh, you know altitude, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be one of those games. Um, it's going to be one of those games. You know, when it comes to the funness of the game, if you just go down for a fun game to watch, check that one out. Nuggets and Magic, obviously, Alfred Payton and Emmanuel Mudiay should be a really really fun game to watch. And then the last game of the night, obviously, Jazz and Kings. The Jazz, uh, they're they're Sacramento's favored by two. Considering Rudy Gobert's out and DeMarcus Cousins is really no one else to face, I would say take Sacramento in the, in the minus two in that one. I think Sacramento will get the win and win handily. 
Uh, not, that the Jazz, not that the Jazz are playing bad or anything. It's just that they've gone through some injuries here, and uh, they got to ride the ship. And playing a guy like DeMarcus Cousins is always going to be a tough one. And the Magic and Nuggets, uh, Orlando's favored by three. Take the Nuggets in that one plus the three. I think they'll get the win, and they'll find a way to step that one up as well. Like I said, uh, we got our show tomorrow uh, on the 9th of December on a Wednesday on a hump day. On a hump day on the Hooper's Log for tomorrow. We got about... We got about a minute left on the show. I don't know why that was so high up on my, on my, on my dashboard, but it was. Again, tomorrow, episode 26, starting the second quarter of the season. We'll recap tonight's basketball game. Any other crazy things that happen in the world of college basketball, if you have any guests, you put them on. As you know, the Hooper's Log is in full effect here on CLNS Radio through the FanDuel Studios. My name is Simo Buckets. My website is simobuckets.com. Thank you again for listening. If you're listening through Apple uh, Podcasts, you have, you have been in for a treat today, obviously. This is some incredible stuff from a guy in Jake Chapman. Thank you again for listening. Have a fantastic rest of your night and enjoy the basketball. It should be outstanding. Watch that Pacers and Warriors game tonight. <laughs>